Yo, yo, what's up, brother? Hey, happy one year, man. Happy one year, right? We got yeah. some exciting stuff coming up in year two. We're, uh, we're really, really happy to announce that, um, that we are just signed a, an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to, uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they, uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it. And so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to, uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers, and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know we're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that that's pretty exciting. So uh anyway, Schedulicity once again, big shout out to you and uh thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> so when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey, and of course, I'm sitting with my best buddy, Tony. What's up, man? Oh, man, great, man. How you doing, buddy? Awesome, awesome. Hey, I'm, I'm excited for today's uh, interview. It's a, I don't know where we're going to go with this, do I? Um, but there's so many different directions we could go with this. Yeah, right. So I'm really excited for this uh, journey that we're about to take. I'm, I'm super excited as well. Um, we, uh, so our guest today is Ruby Devine. Yeah. And, and uh, real quick, Ruby was, uh, she reached out to us. It, it took us just under a year to kind of make it happen. Um, when we first started, she reached out to us. She said, Hey, I was talking to Philip and Philip said that, uh, because she's local as well, that we should, uh, we should do the podcast together. So, um, finally we get it, we get it done. Um, yeah, she has so much, uh, that she's doing and so many things that are in the future that's going to be happening with her. And, uh, so I'm really looking forward to, uh, like just, just diving into what she's, oh man. Yeah. I, th- I think we're going to jump into this, uh, like NASCAR and we're just going to hit the gas. And just, I think it's going to, we're going to roll. <laughs> we we, we going to get it. Right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> get her just, done. Just put your seatbelt on it <laughs> and, and, and hang on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. Ruby's up to a lot of good stuff. Um, she's done a lot of stuff for our industry. She's done a lot of stuff. Um, what I'm really impressed with, with Ruby is, the way that she takes care of the up and comers, you know, the people that work for her. I don't know if she calls them assistants or techs or whatever, but we'll kind of get into that a little bit too. Um, I'm just super impressed with, um, with bringing the next generation along. Absolutely. And it's funny because, uh, and she'll get into this, but we talk about, you know, how, you know, today's hairdressers versus, you know, hairdressers are of our era. Uh, oh, we t- yeah, <laughs> but two totally different approaches, right? Yeah, right. So, uh, you know, she's totally uh, with it. So she uh, she's current. She can keep her hairdressers current, and but we'll get into all that. We'll get into that. Yeah. So I think with, with no further ado, let's introduce Miss <laughs> Ruby Devine. Thank you very very much for joining. Hi us. guys, thank you guys, thank you guys for having me. One hundred percent, man. I'm yeah. so glad we finally got it to ha- got it to happen. 
we only have we have one uh, mantra with the Goonies, and it's always "Don't fuck it up." So that's going to be my that's going to be my mantra for today. I all right, it. I love that. Well, it, even if you do, it, it's all good. <laughs> you know, there's no perfection here. Where no, do you, think you are because we do it all <laughs> the time. <laughs> she clearly hasn't heard the podcast because we mess things up all the time. <laughs> hey, I, w- I will say though, you know, last time we saw Ruby was in Philly. And she started screaming at us in the hallway. Right. What am I going to get on the podcast? What am I going to get on the podcast? <laughs> I was was, that was September. That, that was September. And for the record, she was lost, right? right. She was lost in a hallway. She's like, how do we get anywhere? I, go, right. I don't know, Ruby. <laughs> and for the record, I mean, I think that was, yeah, I was, I was telling you guys, it was hopefully one day I'll be cool enough and I could be on the podcast too. You've always so been I, cool enough. Good. I have arrived. Yep. <laughs> Silly bird. Um, are, we, are we just caught up? That's all. That's <laughs> I, I think we're cool enough now to talk to Ruby, right? Right. That's exactly. funny. So Miss Ruby, where are you from? Where did you grow up? So I'm from a small town in Arizona, Yuma, Arizona. It's like right on the border of Mexico and California. My um, stepdad was in the military, and we ended up moving to San Diego in, when I was fifth grade. But um, my papa, my, my mom's father, who was like a really instrumental in my early childhood, he lived in Chula Vista, like e- southeast San Diego. So I kind of grew up always going back and forth. So when you ever hear me talk about it, I claim San Diego because so much of my life uh, really was spent in, in kind of the San Diego area. Um, but yeah, so Yuma until about nine San Diego, Oceanside, until about high school, South Carolina, where I got my beauty school license, what? and then back to San Diego, and then ultimately here in the D.C. area. No no NFL football teams anywhere. <laughs> I know, right? That was a little, was a little San Diego punch. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I grew up as a Chargers fan, which I hate football, so it's silly to say that, but it was really like, you didn't like the Chargers, you just really liked Junior Seau as a kid, you know what I mean? It right. was like... Yeah, so by default, you're like, yeah, go Bolts. I, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, so what brought you out to South Carolina? That was your, your – you, so that, that was your stepdad? Yeah, that was my stepdad. He became a, a drill instructor in the Navy – I mean, sorry, drill instructor in the Marine Corps. Eventually, he ended up transferring out of the Marine Corps into the Navy, which brought them back to the West Coast. It was a kind of crazy, like – So wait a second, you were in Paris okay. Island? I was in Paris Island, yes. Actually, that's where we lived. It was in Paris Island, yep. Oh my! Did you have to fight the mosquitoes and all that? Of course, they call them. What do they call them? The no, the sand fleas, right? The noceum. Right. It's so funny when you live, we like kind of these big. I feel like there's so many chapters in my life that you kind of forget. Like it just doesn't. It seems like a totally different lifetime, right? right. Like it's like, oh yeah, I live in South Carolina. Like oh yeah, right. that's <laughs> yeah. I mean, in Paris Island, someplace, man. I mean, that's like that's that's where boys become men, right? Allegedly, right. <laughs> right. Perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, you were in San Diego for a while, I mean, in uh, South Carolina for a while, and you did you go to like a beauty academy or did you do, or was it like a vocational thing through high school? So that's the, the good and the bad. I wish I would have, like they have those vocational options. Um, you know, I was always raised like with this idea of like, well, I mean, like everybody wants you to go to college, right? I was terrible in high school. And a lot of it just looked like I was one that just messed around or, or, but I mean, really in reality, in hindsight, I probably have some sort of retention issues and things that were probably left unaddressed. So like high school, senior year, I could have, because the way they would set up our schedule, I could have technically gone home. It's supposed to be set up so like, 
high school seniors can get jobs or whatever, and you'd have a reduced schedule. Instead of going home early, I took seven periods of art class. So I was like that kind of weirdo, right? Like that kind of stuff. And not realizing like so many of those things were obviously evidence of other things that were probably about me and whatever. So I always wanted to be a fashion designer Mm -hmm. and um, barely made it through high school. And there was a school in California, it's, it's FITM, it's called Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandise, and it's pretty popular, but it's a private school. And we had no money. I mean, we I grew up like with two pennies to, to cling together, basically. Um, and so when I went to apply for FITM, because my grade point average was so, so low, and it was like a really expensive private school, um, they were, I couldn't get, I couldn't get any funding or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And in the time, it made sense. My mom said, oh, I can't afford, I can't afford to co-sign on a loan for you. I really believed her in hindsight. And she's still guilty this day that she just didn't believe that I would follow through and that she was going to be on the hook for this, for this huge loan. So I went and signed up at the local, they had a, a campus, a remote campus for the South Carolina University of South Carolina. So I'm like, okay, they told me from the uh, FITM, if I were to go get my GPA up, then I could apply for, for um, scholarships and stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll go to school. Of course I signed up for like, I don't know, like I had like a, a art lab, it was like four and a half hours long. <laughs> and then like, and then like, like an English class and whatever. So basically very quickly, I dropped out of that. Mom was right. That was that. And, you know, I, I scratched by to get through high school, like to put me in a college classes with English and stuff. I'm like, I, I don't even know what a past participle is. I don't even know how to speak proper English, although do college level English. Right. So again, um, was kind of left. So the local community college, kind of like our Nova here right. had a cosmetology program. Um, again, in hindsight, the blessing was that year that I went, the, um, they hired a new director of cosmetology who turns out was award-winning in the entire state of South Carolina for educator of the year and all this stuff. Because we were low enough income, I ended up qualifying for enough financial aid that they actually gave me $300 at the end of each semester. Um, So, but for me, I was going to beauty school because my only experience with hair was my mom cutting our hair, you know, across, right straight across or around on the bottom <laughs> with the orange, the orange handled scissors, you know, and like, don't move because she might get your ear or something. I didn't have any experience besides like our East Coastal equivalent of like a hair, hair cuttery or something. So in my mind, it was a very cheap and, and really, again, embarrassing because now I don't feel like that at all. But it was kind of like, well, anybody could do it. Like, it's just hairdressing. Any, right. Anybody stupid enough can do this. And obviously, I didn't value my own ability to learn things. So I was like, I'll get a trade. I'll be able to get my GPA up and then ultimately still transfer to that fashion school. It's funny because I think most people who think that way um... – their moms cut their hair, right? So <laughs> my mom could do it. Anybody can do it. Anybody can do but it. But when you look back at the pictures when you were little, oh <laughs> your mom didn't do it. Yeah. Like I was a victim of that as well. <laughs> yes. So not having any experience and not really giving it any clout, I recognized how wrong I was in just the very beginning when they had us, like I had to get approved to even be in the school, which, which again, because this man had come in and he was turning it upside down, he came in and took out all those, you know, 
the mammy pink uh, mauve like stations with the, the cracked open chairs. And we got all like for the time, very fancy state of the art. And it was a, just a note, like a community college. So we ended up having the school got so much popularity after the first semester or two that he was taken over that people were coming in from different areas and different, you know, just to come to that school. So it was all of these kind of like, you know, perfect storm happening. Um, the very first time that he had us all, you know, sit and you're like, hi, I'm, I'm Ruby Divine and I'm here to, you know, whatever. And long levels, you know, six and a half virgin hair, by the way. Right. Yeah. That was <laughs> <laughs> and like, and everybody's in this room and you know, there was like the, the lady, everybody's classroom has this, the lady that was like 60 who had put all of her kids to school and her whole dream and passion was to be a hairdresser her whole life. And every, you know, this story over oh, and over. Was so she was, a, she was a student with you? The 60? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought, I so thought she was going to go, you know, we had the 60 year old who had been doing hair for 40 years and like, no. working in school. that's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So like we had this and then the other really kind of crazy thing, especially with my experience uh, throughout the industry, which I didn't think was weird because it was so normal was like my beauty school was like ah, 89% African-American girls. Like, mm-hmm. so there was like that weird paradox. I guess it's not so unpopular here, but in California, it's not that way. But, um, so anyway, and so to go around the room and then have them come over and be like, so <laughs> what brings you here today? I'm like, oh, I thought it was, you guys were stupid enough. And I, <laughs> like, like, I can't really say that. And then fast forward to only a week. Like I literally had no idea until I opened a lady standard. I, I genuinely had no idea what a hairdresser was. I thought you cut hair and you colored hair, permed it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could be an esthetician. You could be a makeup artist. You could do all those things. And my instructor played us. And this, I always say, this is a claim to how many years I've been doing it on one of those wheeled in tube televisions with the VR <laughs> tape. He shows us a fashion show and he had done not only elaborate hair and makeup on these models, but this these big futuristic, like, you know, Star Trek worthy um, wardrobe that he had sewn, designed and created for this entire show. And it was just like that moment of like, I could do that too. And it was just like, and so like, for me, the way that I process things is like, well, shit, I'm going to be bored. You can't tell me to do one thing, hair cutting hair. That's boring. That's lame. But like, oh shoot, I could be, I could reinvent myself when I'm over that. I could go do nails. Oh, I could go do skin. Oh, I could do, you know what I mean? And, and that automatically. And then, so like, as the story would go, I ended up being, we didn't have like top chair, but essentially that was kind of like what it was. Um, when it was all said and done, of course I ran with it and never looked back after that. That's so cool. Yeah. That's, that's pretty cool. The, uh, I think, Corey and I, we, uh, we went to hair school too, uh, kind of like not knowing that we really wanted to do hair and, but at some point in school, it just, you know, something flips mm-hmm. and you, you just get sucked in, you know what I mean? And then, I'm, then you're all in. That's no. it. We've, we've brought it up a bunch of times and, and I'm hearing it too. Like how, once right. again, how our industry, you know, saved so many people. A hundred percent. You know, that's actually, Maybe I'm kind of happy that people think that it's not much of a career or whatever, you know, because then it allows it allows the the, the cream to rise. Right. A hundred percent. You don't have that like you don't have that that I don't know what I'm trying to say, but, you know, it's just. Yeah, but you have so many so many stories like, you know, the one we're getting into now and, and others on the podcast that you've heard that, you know what I mean? They had no direction. And all of a sudden, you know, here you go and you discover this great industry and it totally gives you purpose. Completely. Love that. Okay. So now we're in hair school. We're graduating hair school. I mean, what, what goes on? 
So my first, my first, well, my very first salon, um, I, so I was that guy I failed my, my, I never told anybody this out loud. I failed my first time taking my license in I'll South Carolina. I said, I failed my first time taking my license. All right, we, we didn't want to just be the first. We want to be the second as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> Assholes. Okay. So, so, so anyway, so, and it was one of those things that I had gotten a job contingent on the license, right? Um, by some lady that was putting herself out there. And this is a terrible admission as well. I don't even remember what her name was, but it was this little bitty salon. And, and so anyway, I ended up taking the test again. It was one of those, like, um, everybody else, we were taught very structured how to pass the test, right? And and um, it, for South Carolina, you had to do mannequin and whatnot. The perm section, nine subsections. Does that make you want to just stab yourself in the eyeball with a damn rat tail comb right there? <laughs> and then, like, you know, you take that pink perm rod and you perfectly, like, measure out each sub block in that nine subsections. And I took the entire time making a goddamn subsection and didn't get a damn perm rod into that. I, I might have gotten like two, right? Um, so, and then you're looking around the table and nobody else is doing that. They're just putting the goddamn perm rods in the, the head. So we were taught that we had to do something that was not actually applied to the actual thing. So I, I did fail and I deserved to fail. It was definitely not a bad place to eat some humble pie and have to, to chew on that, especially when you go from being kind of like, wow, I'm kind of the bomb. And then be like, oh, no, you suck. Like, you take <laughs> go back, take two steps back, and just recognizing that. And so then, so that was it. And then I went into this salon. It was a three-chair salon, so green. Obviously, you know, you think you're the bomb when you get out of school. And in South Carolina, just like in California, I don't know if it's like that in California anymore, but very much back then, it was way more stringent on the idea that if you're not licensed, you cannot even take a pin out of a client's hair. Like, don't even walk a client to the shampoo bowl. If you're not licensed, you don't get to be in here. And so there's also with that, I feel like there's a lot of hairdressers that don't want to take apprenticeships. And it's really an anomaly in some of those southern cities that I've gone to. They're like, no, nobody wants to be an assistant. They just want to go right in behind the chair. And that was definitely me, you know. Right. It's like, yeah, I'm the bomb. And then you're like, no, you're not the bomb. And so I worked at that salon for a little while. And then my girlfriends were working at a salon it was very state-of-the-art um, for the time. It was this amazing. So this was actually what made me, I, I think, like so much. Um, it was me and two girlfriends, so brand new be beauty school babies. In the day of like, you know, John and Kate plus eight haircuts, right? <laughs> Everything was, we, we called them divorced haircuts, right? Like so disconnected that they don't even know each other anymore, right? And like, <laughs> I remember watching my friend Kim and she's like doing, I just, I remember like it's blazing in my brain that she was doing like a level seven copper highlight with a highlight, like a blonde highlight and these perfect pinstripes that looked like she had laid a grid out on the head. And we're all like, Ooh, that's so perfect. Like, <laughs> like, nowadays, like my girls, they would, they would, they would quit if I told them to do right. that, <laughs> let alone. So, um, but I mean, we're new and we're, we're, we're learning and we're, we're trying to gain clientele. The salon was a salon and spa. So you walked in, they had Aveda products, um, salon and spa. To the right was a salon, was all marble and, and all of that stuff. And it was big, like really now knowing what I do know now, like how awesome it was. We had an actual separate shampoo area. Then we had a separate dispensary where you could close the door and cry because you didn't know the perfect formula for your client. 
Um, and then we had a whole nother room that was just a break room, which was actually, you know, not each other sitting on each other's lap and eating over the, the um, trash can that we all know and love nowadays. We had a office that we would do. Um, one of the owners actually did like um, a lot of cancer. That was so, uh, kind of an anomaly then too, right? Like actually helping people cut their hair and, and get wigs and stuff. But we also had, this was the fun part. We had, and you would pay extra for it, right? We had a webcam where we would take a picture and do that where you would put the ha- hairstyle on the client's head. No. So the, and, they had, and they had to pay for it. It was just like so silly. Like now you could never pay. Like it's an up, upcharged service. So then, and then in the very back, completely separate was a whole spa area. So quiet, you know, pedicures and so on. So, and, how come, and how come I, that I get the feeling that Ruby and a spa wouldn't work together? <laughs> I may or may not have been hushed a few times. <laughs> we even had like a tanning bed. Like you would never see that in salons these days, right? Like where like my girlfriend, she would have a client processing. She was like three shades away from like, you know, a Nigerian princess. She was like a blonde hair girl from Georgia. I, I, I see it like a... Uh a tug of war going on with the esthetician in the tanning bed. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like... <laughs> it was so crazy. So... The really big part of that, like to, to talk about the spa and the salon, that was the birth of this man named David, um, who's still a hairdresser, and he's pretty pinnacle in his industry in that in that town. But David was like ahead of his times. He was a little bit snotty and like kind of like that young hairdresser, but his mom had been doing hair since, you know, Jesus. So mm-hmm. his mama had hair salon. She was one of the last standing hair salons that were grandfathered in to be allowed to be in this in the house but David always had these dreams of and he was like the first time I'd ever met a a good-looking straight-haired male hairdresser and to watch like that whole psychological thing with the way female clients I'm like you know the whole idea of like oh but David does a conditioning treatment on me and he mixes and you'd go back and be like David what'd you do he's like oh fuck no I put like conditioner together and like, like <laughs> but you know anything he said right and the blowouts were to here right and everybody was blonde sliced highlights but um David was this young and he had this vision for the salon and spa people weren't doing that then so and he was very innovative when he he had a lot of ideas for doing like he, he figured out a way to manufacture Kim lights into and suspend it into hair gel and because that was like the birth of like, you know, raves and that ecstasy scene and stuff like that. So people were like wanting that kind of stuff. But his mama fast, like rewind. It's like she, they even have like a corner for Miss Carol, Miss Carol, right? There's always a Miss Carol in every hair salon, right? And so Miss Carol was in the corner and she had four hood dryers and inevitably there'd be seven ladies like, you know, in the corners pass out with their, she had every month, uh, every three months of perm, every, every week of blowout. I mean, a roller set, I should say. And, but then, so to think there's a, that's three young ones, David and Miss Carol, the other two girls would leave. We didn't have clients, right? No girl, no hairdressers want to sit around waiting for like the phone to call. Right. So they go out and do whatever. I would go with Miss Carol and she would take me in the back room and she would bring out these mannequins and we would do in the time like God awful, which is funny with now the inventions, like the rebirth of shags being popular. She was the first person to teach me a shag, which in the time I'm like, <laughs> like gagging to learn how to do this. Like what I'm viewing is a mullet, right? Right. Um, and she taught me how to do these roller sets and she taught me how to do these perms. And I was 21 years old. Then Miss Carol ended up being like mysteriously sick. She just became allergic to everything, which you might attribute to the five to seven hair um, perms that she did every day. I don't know. <laughs> but so when she went home, couldn't be in the salon, Miss Carol started telling these 86 year old ladies that she'd been doing every regularly 
Ruby can do it. And so then all of a sudden, overnight, I have this clientele that is like massive of like all these older ladies. Um, in the meantime, also, I would very, I had a big interest in makeup. And so my instructor from school, he paired me up with like the lead makeup educator for the state of South Carolina. She suggested I become a house mom. So this term house mom, are you guys familiar with the term? No, house mom? What's a, what the hell's a house mom? Do you know? No. I feel like Tony knows. Okay, no. so house so a house mom is essentially a glorified bathroom attendant for a strip club. So you, so, so you, I like, like you I, think I would know that. <laughs> <laughs> You're looking at me like, no, I don't know. What the house mom is. <laughs> so here I was like 21 years old. I'd never even been to a strip club, let alone, but um, I knew I wanted to do hair and makeup. And in that area and in that era, there was no, teaching or any, any way for me to apply, you know, and to learn. And so like, I learned how to do eyelashes. Like the very first time I had to do eyelashes, cause I was, that's one thing that probably set me apart. And I'm, again, I'm learning now cause I have assistance, but like fear is the biggest thing, right? Fear keeps you from doing anything in the industry. Everything. So always being like, not too afraid to do something, even if I knew I didn't know what I was doing. And they had me set up to help this lady. And that's how I even got, um, a, a, uh, into dialect with her. And that's how she knew who I was to even suggest for me to go do this. But I was the big South Carolina hair show. And she's like, you are going to go help her do makeup. And it was one of my instructors from school. Cause she knew I had an interest in it. I was like, yeah, cool. I'm thinking I'm going to walk down there. And it's going to be all these girls doing makeup. And it was me and her. And I'd never even seen makeup brushes. Like I'd never seen, I thought like, I had like a freaking makeup bag with Revlon in it that I would like slap on the girls in class. I had no idea about. So she's like, okay, do eyelashes on this model. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, no problem. I'm like looking around, like do it. I set it up and I'm like, okay, cool. And this poor model, I like, and there's still a picture in my room of this moment, which is so precious. But <laughs> you get this eyelash and I get up to the model and I get about right here and I'm like, <laughs> like, I was like, but I was too, I wasn't too proud to say I didn't know what I was doing. Of course, I get it on to her eye and I'm like poking her eye. And I'm like trying to it's like porcupine eye. You know what I mean? All these little needles coming out. Oh my gosh. So the, to fast forward and be able to apply. Hey, everybody that's listening, you, you have to see how red Ruby is right now. Right. I'm envisioning story. eyelashes to eyebrow. They all connect, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> She like smiles and she looks like Adolf Hitler all of a sudden, you know, like, oh my gosh. So I, so anyway, so the, to be able to use this into practice was the best place was a strip club, right? Like I'm doing rhymes. I'm like, my mom <laughs> called me one night and I had to call my mom and my mom says that's one of her proudest moments is that I even thought to say, hey mama, like in case you're not going to like this, I'm going to work. I'm not going to, what is it to ask for your blessing, but not your permission, right? right. So like I was going to do it anyway, but I was like, you know, and, and the first day even walking into the club. I'm walking in and there's a girl standing doing splits butt naked as I'm like carrying this big trolley of stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's, you know, there's your introduction. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was kidding. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so, so here I was working at the hair salon. Miss Carol becomes sick. I would work um, cause the, the strip club would be open, um, Friday, Saturday, well, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think was the day. And to boot, it was about a 45, 50 minute drive away from, um, my, the town where I lived at. It was right on the border of, uh, Georgia from South Carolina. 
So um, it was a blast. We had so much fun. You know, when, you, when you're 21 years old and you still have those connections to high school kids and I start telling people, oh, you know, Ruby's working at Stateline Cabaret because everybody knew it was a strip club. I, like all, this new birth of like guy friends that never, you know, <laughs> that I never, never knew I had. And, and just learning, there was just a lot. There was so much that I learned that I didn't even realize I was learning. The art of hustle, to watch a girl like be powerful in what seems like a very demeaning thing, but to see these women be able to command and it's all a psychological game, right? Like, but like to even apply some of that hustle and that drive that these girls had as they went and like, you know, convince somebody, yes, you need a $60 lap dance from me. Like, like this kind of stuff was just crazy. I ended up doing um, a girl's hair pretty regularly in the salon as well, who has gone on to be a pretty um, affluent porn star which is kind of crazy so um so all of these things so all of that stuff kind of coming from there and and getting this like this weird mix and I think definitely a lot of that hustle because I was also working in a restaurant right because every hairdresser every good hairdresser used to be a, wa- a waitress as well right so I was Dude, a- she said hustle and then she just keeps naming job so <laughs> <laughs> like uh, here I was working at the restaurant working at the salon full-time I would go home. I would pick up one of the girls that lived nearby me. We drive to the, to the club. There was a couple of times I can remember and I didn't was weird. I didn't drink or anything like that. I like, it was weird. I'm like, now I've learned that that's more fun. But, um, so it wasn't like I was ever intoxicated, but I remember waking up almost driving into somebody's drive, uh, like, you know, yard because I was so tired Mm -hmm. after having worked that many hours. But you know, Everybody says that in this industry constantly. How do you get to where you're at? How do you get, or like even with the, the, you know, with Pope Ryan and stuff and people constantly going, well, how do you become an educator? And I'm like, you're not, you want, you, if you wanted it, you'd have it. Period. If you wanted it, you'd have it. Wow. Just got to want it. Got to, got to want it more. Yep. All right. So, so, so how do we get to DC? So how do we get a, how do we, we got to, so you went back out from South Carolina, you went to San Diego? Went to San Diego, had to stand state board, had to wait a whole year because the state board was so back, backed up then. I don't know right. that it is still. Um, did you assist for that year? No. You know what I did? I was a student f- picture, like for that company called Life Touch. I did like yearbook pictures. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. And then you can imagine me being like 20, 23 year old now. Right. And like a little snotty. And I'm like, I'm a hairdresser. I like, I walk up to these kids to like affix their hair. And I would hear, I remember one time walking up to fix it. Cause I was like so proud. Like I'm going to pose this kid. Right. Then I hear some like snotty middle school kid. She better not even touch my hair. And I stand up and I'm like, I'm a hairdresser. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but from that when i got my chair guess who became my first clients all of those, all those people, people that yeah. i would worked with you know what i mean yeah. so like everything fed itself and if you know that to hustle rewinding all the way back to south carolina i mean i was telling my girls this the other day i remember going out to the nightclub i love to dance and i have a little bit of a reputation people know and i didn't drink like i said because i was convinced that if i drank i'd get dizzy and i was going to be a terrible dancer and then at about 25 i realized no you're a better dancer <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so is it weird anyway but i would take like flyers and i remember doing that and walking around like proudly and like blanketing this entire nightclub and being like, I'm a hairdresser. You need to come to me. And like how much of that stuff, like if I told my assistant to go do that, are you kidding me? She'd walk out. <laughs> oh 
She's like, why? I have an Instagram. I don't need to do that. Yeah. yeah. So like knowing and acknowledging that every single person possible place that you could do hair. I mean, even in the, the, when I was in life touch, of course I still did hair for whoever was there. We were just set up. I bring in a Cape and I would do their hair in the back of the warehouse for the photography place. <laughs> so, and it also led me into meeting photographers and then ultimately eventually starting to get into photos and stuff like that. Cause a lot of the people that have worked with there, eventually there was a good, good bit of them want, wanted to be like legitimate photographers at some point. So that helped network as well. Accidentally. Yeah. How long were you in California? Um, until I was 25. So like, two, was that two years? So that doesn't sound like, that doesn't sound like very much, does it? Yeah, I guess about three years. Okay. Yeah. And then so, so, uh, so what brought you, what, what got you to DC? 21, 21 to 25. So about four years. Four and years. I turned 22. Yeah, right. I was like, wait, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So how'd you get, how'd you get to DC? A man, like most silly girls a guy in the military uh-huh but so i moved to south Car- i moved to uh the dc area um i started working and i immediately hated it because i always did i had fashion color in my hair and stuff like that and that's what i laughed too i'm like back when we were even in south carolina i had i would do the fashion color and a lot of people attribute i feel like a lot of people uh especially from like a, a little bit younger generation than me would always like oh that's punk rock right like or like we think of like manic panic and punk rock punk rock and stuff but it's not true in the high school that i went to in the south carolina back then it was like very big and like the black community is like they i remember a girl walking in the high school and she had neon green hair neon green fingernails neon green outfit and neon green shoes like that was a thing so like that was actually more more of my connection if you will like the hip-hop and like I was really into all that stuff so having the fashion colored hair was more of that scene not necessarily and people like coming to me with like death metal references and I'm like I don't know what you're doing here (laughs) (laughs) I don't know so so I always and I <laughs> and I tell people that too, like even in California, when people would want fashion color, you literally had to go to a bondage store. Like that was the only place that I could get the fashion color. It didn't, didn't have it at like a professional. Were you using like Manic Panic or something? Uh, yeah, right. So, but um, Goldwell did have, at one point, they had a direct dye, essentially. It was one of their mixers for their demi line that you could use without it was a booster essentially but you could use it without a developer and it was still to this day honestly i like i i miss it because it was just so pretty and it was so let had so much luster but yeah before that you use a door or um oh my gosh jazzing like in the pink mm-hmm. bottles you know right. jazzing oh my god so like and and again you would go to like maybe hair stores in the hood but there was like that and like bondage <laughs> stores like that was really the only places you could go so i moved to um I moved, you know, San Diego. I, oh, the big break for me in San Diego was we got a girl that was a receptionist that was at San Diego State and she was a um, sorority girl. Mm-hmm. And the salon was like 25 and it was all female. It was all female, all straight females, which is so crazy to say that in like what, 2002? All straight females um, and 25 and all about our same age range and so I was always still at hustle like I was very much like to 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 try to like I need to do your hair you need to let me do your hair whoever you are I'm gonna change your life but I also worked next to a lady which I think too I laugh to think like I remember her turning 40 and being like she's so old like that that I don't I know but I was like she (laughs) 
a grown up, right? You know, she's, but she taught me so much because I didn't have Vidal training. She was Vidal trained at one of the big salons in La Jolla, like very structured. Like, you know, she taught me so much about pre-booking, about setting my structure to not be overworked. Because, you know, back then I was doing a lot of color services that are uh, kind of normal now, but they weren't at the time block coloring them, stuff like that too, but things that took a long time. Um, So, you know, I I kind of really established that. And then that this girl started working with us and I was like, I need to do your hair. Well, that was like, open it up. And one of her girlfriends was Korean and she had seen, right. We now know what now a scene was a pre of MySpace. She had white on top and black, black band like this whole part was black and uh, rose parks i'll never forget her and she were she was like a big sorority girl like super valley girl from like wherever the area where the real housewives of orange county are from and she had this i mean stark white hair and i i made this asian girl stark white in a sea of, of hispanics and and asians you could imagine how that blew my book up so it was like crazy and i was one of the top book people very soon after with those skills that christy had taught me about you know setting structure and stuff so um met met my ex and walked in one day and i i was like i i need to leave like i just was in love right and i just remember walking in and crossing out my book and i was like you know pre-booked weeks out it was Stupid, so crazy. <laughs> and I was like, two weeks later, I was in in Virginia, and um, I hated it. I hated every moment of it. I worked right behind a, a, a an area of town that was incredibly conservative. And I always say that people like, oh, you know, it's so different. It's conservative on the East Coast, right from San Diego. And I said, not really, because what do you think about San Diego? It's a bunch of rich blonde haired white people. So they're typically Republican as well. So it's not like, <laughs> it's not like that it's conservative, but I do feel like this area specifically, and maybe you guys can touch on that. I tell people it's formal, you know, like when Obama was, when that whole administration, everybody would pay attention to the psychology behind, he's not wearing the right color. He's not wearing his pin on his lapel. So I thought of it and like, no, it's not the conservative. It's that the formalities in DC, you wear a dress to go out to the nightclubs in San Diego. It was like jeans and like, you know, everything was way more casual on the, on the West coast. So I had to learn to adapt to that. But Mm -hmm. so here I was in San Diego, if I had fashion color hair, people would look at me and say, oh not for me but it's cool for you whereas I come to to here and people are like not for me and why the hell would you want to walk out of the house looking like that (laughs) (laughs) I was like these are not my people (laughs) I hate this so I was there for a year so your goal was to make them your people not really at the time I was like I hate all of you um (laughs) I didn't I didn't know I was very lost and I was floundering and it was definitely again that humble pie of like realizing, you know, you have to learn to hustle. I mean, I had, I had found a job straight out the gut, so that wasn't even a problem, but, um, I don't know. It was just like, I wasn't finding my niche and it was like trying to, trying so hard to find my people, I guess. I moved back to San Diego. I'm sorry. I went back to San Diego a year after just a visit, stopped in the old salon. And while I was standing there, one of my old clients called and they were like, Oh, and nobody was liking the people that I had sent them to. Now, it was I amazing. Oh, Ruby Divine can and nobody's else. no, but you know, that's that is a testament when you have a client that is convinced in their heart that you're the only person that can do it. So the wild idea came out that, you know, maybe you should try bi coastal. Maybe you should come back here. Um, Ooh. so I 
started to, I moved back out to San Diego. I gave myself eight, eight months was on the lease for my apartment. And I was going to fly back and forth in order to supplement my income as I regained the clients that I had given away from that year. In the meantime, because I left so hasty, I broke a lot of friendships. I did a lot of things. So I was very selfish. I didn't realize how selfish I was being in that, like, you know, the blessing and the curse of being a hairdresser is you have a lot of people that ride on you and they have a lot of people that become very invested in you. And it's, that's going to always be the struggle that I have because I take that very seriously, not only my friends, but your client loyal. I mean, I have clients with like, you know, face and hands crying. Like we know, but did you die? Like I'm just doing your hair, but like, that's how much somebody's invested in you. A, how grateful, like I said, that somebody was that invested in me. Um, but yeah, that you just shouldn't take that lightly. You know what I mean? Like you shouldn't take did that. You lightly. go back to the same salon in San Diego. So I did go back to the exact same salon. Also, what in the midst of me coming back, there had been a walkout. So it was like this weird. A lot of those people that had been my friends had gone to another salon, kind of across town, and there was a lot of weird. That so whole thing, yeah. Then 2007 happened, and it was the drawback and the recession, right? And mm-hmm. so in San Diego. We had, it was a full-blown salon and um, boutique, we, which I laugh. Like, is this, we were like, the, we were like a nice salon with a boutique. We had Ed Hardy gear that you could buy. You know, <laughs> we, laugh, we laugh about that, but that shit was like $300 for a damn sweatshirt, remember? Right. And like Steve Madden handbags and stuff. So we were not by any means like some like low-end salon, but because they were being hit so hard by clients because again, going back to the formality argument in San Diego, because the style is so much more casual and you can dress more casually and still have a job. People don't, people can put their hair off, right? Insert the birth of the ombre. And people are like, I don't know where that came from. Like, obviously trends are always going to be dictated, dictated and created via chaos in current events, period. We said, okay, let's start growing your roots in because you can't afford to come into me anymore. And now we're going to make it a thing, right? So that I think is really where the birth of all that stuff, kind of the lived in color, like, no, you don't want to come in in six weeks. So we're going to call this a thing. It's lived in color. So clients were having, we even had a special online where you could um, print out a coupon, bring in your unemployment stub to this nice higher end salon, bring in your unemployment stub and we would give you a discount because the idea was to help people get prepared to do, to go in for new interviews. Like how crazy clients walking away from their homes, fly back to, to, to DC and I would work seven days. I would literally come off the plane and I would work seven days because on the East coast, there's a lot more salons that are open seven days a week, California. you're like, wait, you want me to work after 1 PM on a Saturday? Okay. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I talked to this girl the other day. We had a young stylist in our salon and she was telling us she's 21. She's super cute. She's like, yeah, I work nine to five. Who wants to work after five? I literally like choked so hard that my assistants were like, like Ruby's gonna have a brain aneurysm. I was like, oh, why do you work till five? What is that? Anyway, so um, so I was going back to, to DC. So here I am hating DC, but now I have clients in DC that are being kind of affected, but not really, right? When the government loses money, they make they spend money. When they're making money, they spend money. So this weird paradox in understanding for the first time also how much the economy and the environment and all of that is going to dictate 
us as hairdressers. We're service providers, but we provide to people that are going through other stuff, right? Uh, so did that flying back and forth. Eventually came because I was too busy in, Cal- in D.C., but didn't want to lose my ties in San Diego. So switched around, came back to D.C., was here more full-time, and I would fly back to San Diego one week every month. So I did that for three years total by coastal. That's insane. Does it make you tired? It makes me tired saying it. Holy cow. I, can't, I, can't <laughs> imagine. I mean, that's just... That's a lot of traveling. That's a lot. For real. You ain't kidding. Um, okay, so you're in D.C. permanently. Okay, we've got so much to get to. So how did you... Because you Were you one of the original members of the uh, Butterfly Circus? Um, I guess. Not really. No. No, I wasn't. I was the first iteration but worked, of... But you worked with them, right? Yes, absolutely. I was the first iteration of David bringing on new people because he did have a core team, which we kind of all know him to be like the Pope Riot people now right. um, that were, I, I believe, and I don't, I've heard David explain this. I don't know if it's true, but that they were intended to originally be, yes, this is the traveling circus of these. And you would go to wherever they were going to be and mm-hmm. see those people. And then maybe a guest person here and there. And so I was at the, Oh my gosh, why can't I think of it? Oh my gosh, front. Anyway, the big um, um, LBP show in um, Miami was where the, and um, I don't know, that's going to drive me crazy. That was where me, it was me, Samantha Bottle Blonde, um, B Scene, right? And I laughed because you see him now, he didn't even talk. You know, he used to have to do a duet with, with Ricky because he was so afraid. He was so stage frightened and he was like, <laughs> and now you can't get the damn guy to shut up. Said with love, Lynn. Said with love. Tony Rose Larson, I believe was the other one. So I think that was like, so you, you had this like crazy mix of, of they just like threw all of us out there and was like, here you go. And, um, it worked because I know that for me specifically, like uh, the crowd that I grew in drew in because I had the Goonies and I had the Periscope people and I had all these other people that had been building my own, um, my own audience, if you will, from mm-hmm. a different avenue because I wasn't big on Instagram like the other ones. I was really big on live broadcasting. Right. So, I, I mean, a couple of things. I mean, you brought up the Goonies and you brought up Periscope. Um Let's touch on those a little bit. So I wasn't aware of you on Periscope. What, what did that, what, what did that, what did Periscope look like? <laughs> Do you not know what Periscope was or you're no, asking? I know what Periscope is, but, but how was Ruby involved? So Periscope, I, it was, from my knowledge, it was me, Philip Ring, Ash Fortis, Guy Tang. They were, we were basically the, the earliest adopters of Periscope from, and we would call it Periscope. <laughs> I like the wake. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it like it was just kind of like turn the camera on and start the original iteration of me even understanding that I could potentially have something of value that people wanted to listen to was the hairstylist education forum with Rebecca Taylor. It was uh-huh. maybe three thousand followers when I first got on there, and it was the first time like I was like, wow, you know, because like most hairdressers, I think when you tell, when they tell their story, if they are somebody that's anywhere where we're at, as far as going to shows and stuff, they're pretty much the one person in the whole salon. So you don't have a back room that you can go back and actually jive with and talk to and try to like shoot ideas. You don't have people that are being innovative. You usually have naysayers when you're in those scenarios. So Hef was the first time to have this online back room 
of people that were innovative and people that were on there to share information. And also Rebecca made it very clear that it was to be non-judgmental and not hurtful. And they were very good about policing it and making sure that people could genuinely ask questions without being ashamed to do so. So anyway, I became one of the admin on there because I was always like on there and like giving information and like feeding in and not even realizing that I had anything of value. I didn't even realize I knew what I knew. So that was kind of like practice. Then fast forward to Periscope. And it was kind of like me doing what I had been doing on the Hef forum, but now online broadcasting. So I would come on with no makeup. I would be live in the lab. And I think that the connection that I had was to show hard work, to show real, um, I wasn't fancy, you know, I also say this, and this is what made it so important that David gave me an opportunity when I went through beauty school and I saw that hair show that, you know, on the VHS. And when I was shown hair shows, like even what Philip Wolf talks about his first hair show, and that's what they all look like, you know, rhinestoned everywhere and everything. I didn't look like that. I was the poor kid that didn't know that that was an option in hairdressing. I didn't know what designer handbags from Italy looked like. I had nothing to attribute to that. I was a big girl. That was also never done. You know, couldn't be a big girl, be an educator. So I very quickly shot that out of like a possible realm of opportunities for me. You know, so like, I think that also made me devalue or underestimate what I could have of value. But I also feel like that's what made people connect to me. Because I didn't look like the brat stalls I tease about. I didn't have tattoos. I didn't have, you know, a lot of that relatability. I'm like, I'm online showing you how to do a partial highlight and not make you feel ashamed for asking me questions about doing that. Wow. That that's that's so huge. You know, it's just it's so nice that um that she had those connections, you know, or oh, that people abs- connected to her. You yeah, know? absolutely. That's pretty cool. So then so then from Periscope, was it was it how long before you started to create a presence on like Instagram and stuff? I mean, I had kind of already, but I mean, but not, I, and I'm still like, I laugh when I'm on stage next to like anybody with 500,000, I have 50,000 followers that people think is cool in my neighborhood, but nobody else are like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But, um, but so from Periscope, I did a podcast and that's what I was telling you guys. I did a podcast. I was at the BTC show in new Orleans That was the first time Butterfly Circus had just started. So I had met David and Alexis in person and was, I didn't, we didn't even know that it was even ever going to be an option where we would add educators. So I wasn't even going with the angle of that. I just thought they were really cool and I wanted to know who they were. Um, I did the podcast and, um, and and it was this lady named Brenda Waters, who's amazing. She was like uh, on a contestant on some shows and stuff. Anyway, did the podcast, tag David, David called me when he called me to ask me to be a part of the butterfly circus he said i have to be honest when you tagged me in that podcast i had no intentions of listening to more than three minutes of it and i ended up listening to the entire thing and, De- and brenda said it was one of our longest podcasts like over an hour long so that was a big thing but what i told you about what i was so intrigued about you guys was in that moment I didn't even realize all I was taught my whole life is that you work hard. You work hard because that's what the hell you're supposed to do. And that's why I always kind of get angry and I get passionate about people that aren't willing to put the work in, but they expect the the turnabout uh, to be equal is that I didn't think that was special. And I still don't think that it's special, but I recognize that it, it is a little bit. Um, I didn't ever tell my story. And I never thought that I had a story because I wasn't special. I'm just like some, you know, girl that's trying to make it along. And so 
to, to listen to that and to recognize that everybody has a story. I love that. That's what you guys are doing. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. And somehow you got to where you're at that way. So David allowed me, asked me to be on there. And I think that's where the difference was. I was the one with the big, I had like over 7,000 followers on on Periscope. Um, whereas everybody else had like two, maybe two or 3000 at most. Right. So, um, we, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that was actually a lot for, for them. And that was actually my biggest, like, so, but whereas everybody else in Instagram was pictures of hair, it was me and my face. So I think that also Stephanie hair princess stuff talks about like, she's like, I think your followers are more authentic. She was one of the first people I knew that had over a hundred thousand followers. Um, but she said, we'll go through a hair show. Nobody knows who I am. I mean, now they do now because she's been better about putting your face out there. But she's like, you're the one that people want to stop and talk to because they have your face and your familiarity and the comfort in front of the camera. And I would study and I would watch other broadcasters that had nothing to do with hair. And I learned the cadence, but I learned, again, the psychology behind engaging with somebody, making somebody feel special, feel heard, and how much of that same stuff that you can apply behind the chair, you know, all that stuff. So I think that's what made me stand out. I love that. Love, love, love. I, a, a couple things. Um, one, I kind of want to come back to it because I'm actually going to give her a hard time because something that she was doing that I loved was when she was doing her live interviews on Instagram. But, 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 but bookmark that. We're going to get there. Right. On you. It's on you to remember. You. you got me. So tell me a little bit about um, who are the Goonies? What are the Goonies? And how the hell did you become Queen Goonie? So the Goonies happened at that BTC show also. Somebody had made a Facebook page and a lot of us were connected through Periscope at this point. Um, that was a lot of us on, on the hairstylist forum for sure. And then on Periscope. So Keon being one of them, of course, Philip right. Ring, Philip Ring being one of them. Um, and we were like, we're going to meet at the BTC show, right? Crystal Chaos. So everybody knows Crystal Casey, um, Nora Dababna, like Ursula Goff, like all of these people. And so we, we were doing Periscope. So we meet up at the BTC show and <laughs> And I laugh because I'm obsessed with Ian Michael Black. Like if you guys, oh, he's such a goddess. I love him so much. (laughs) um, So Ricardo Santiago, right? He wasn't what we know of him now with with Joico and stuff. So Ricardo and I had, um, I don't know if that's where it came. Oh, I was planning because Guy Tang had just came out with his Kenra line. I was going to do Ricardo's hair. Somehow at the hair show, I was going to do his hair. Um, So... I had gone to some of the back, I found my way into wherever the model prep areas were. And I had gotten some person because, you know, the BTC show isn't like other trade shows where you could go buy foils, buy color bowls and all this stuff. Like I was just at the mercy of whatever they had. So I went down to the model prep, found, I don't even know what team that gave me like a handful of foils. And I was able to like get these couple of brand new non-launched out like Guy Tang Kenra hair colors. And I was going to do Ricardo's hair. Um, in the meantime, I, so I found those. I, I find Keon in a hallway and Keon was on his way to go cut some of his hair in their hotel room. And I get out my live broadcast and I'm like, okay, let's this broadcast. And he's got this crazy barber box. Anyway, um, he's like, well, I'm going to go do this girl's hair. And I was like, well, I, I got one better. I had found these model prep rooms that were basically abandoned because as these teams were done, they were just like leaving the rooms, but they were still yeah. there. So... So we went and common, <laughs> commandeered Guy Tang's model prep room. Did you and know we like, Guy Tang's room? <laughs> yeah, I said his name on the wall. And what we do is <laughs> Duh. So like we go in and we're like, okay, we're going to record Keon doing this thing, right? And 
<laughs> at some point they like came and delivered like 17 pizzas and one of us like signed for it. Like, yeah, totally. I'm like, Oh shit, we got to get out of here. So I like, <laughs> the pizzas and find like another room that wasn't being used. And so like, he's doing this like epic undercut and I'm recording and each person is like, where are you guys at? I want to come. Where are you? And because we were afraid of being caught, we're like, go to the Starbucks Wink two times. Somebody. <laughs> so it was live from the download room because I was always live from the lab. Then it was live from the download room. So so it became in the offsets when people we were respectful and we were really excited to be at the show. But on the offsets that people were on stage, we were doing these like sessions down there. Um, Phil ended up doing some um, amazing Bob haircuts. Um, Keon did a couple more undercuts. I did Ricardo's hair. We commandeered a, a hood dryer. So we, we me and him go to find this hood dryer because he's Hispanic I had to get his hair lightened and I'm um, around the corner we hear somebody and we're like be cool be cool and we're like like standing and we wish should not have been back there and it was Ian Michael Black and some other a very beautiful Aveda person and he's like hmm, what are you doing back here and I was like oh you know it's just like uh was like he's like okay and he kind of gives me the side eye and he walks away but I'm already like I know him but I still lose my breath every time he talks to me I'm like why is he my friend this is so weird so we like quick, grab the bun dryer, <laughs> so like, take it and we go. And so people still to this day, like, I don't know where they got that hood dryer. Like, I'm <laughs> so like we did all this stuff. So we were, we were, we were live in the down room. And, um, that same weekend, one of our style, one of our friends, um, she had gotten some news about her son being special needs and she didn't know. And she in theory shouldn't have come, but it was all of her family saying, you need to go. And we all went on like this tour, all of us that are now the Goonies. And, um, she had like a, a total emotional breakdown. And then we all kind of had this emotional breakdown realizing we were like, we were all the science nerds. We were on the nerd camp at NASA and we knew we were all going to go back to our schools and be getting wedgies on Monday, you know, <laughs> and, and being brown beaten by all the people that told us that why are you even caring about that why you know what I mean and all of that stuff so the emotions that were involved with that and and Phil ended up making a video from that and and um uh, calling uh oh my gosh why can't I like I'm blanking on the on um on what the uh, uh the YouTube video was but it was it was about all the, oh solo artists because it was the idea that we were soul, solo artists, but S-O-U-L means how much soul we bring to it. And obviously, like, I mean, just to say that out loud, Ursula Goff, like, are you kidding me? She's, like, amazing. Philip, like, all these people that were just, like, scoffed at. We were, I tease and I say, we were the outlaws. We were the nerds. We were literally hiding in the shadows of the BTC stage doing hair. And now we're being invited on those various stages. So when we first did the Goonies class, the only reason we were doing the class, it was Phil's big idea. He's like, I know there's this big dope castle in Flagstaff. He lived in Phoenix. There's this dope castle in Flagstaff. People were just doing the independent education. Butterfly Circus was launched at the same time. He said, um, we'll go teach a class. We won't make any money. We're just going to use that money to go rent this house and we're going to have this moment again with just our friends and we're going to do this. And that's where the Goonies came from. We never expected it to be more than that one show making money just to provide a vacation for ourselves. So, <laughs> so look at us now, which is so crazy, right? Like, cool. so that's really the, the long story of your question answer to your question. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I love it. I love the Goonies. So what are the Goonies up to? What are the, what are the Goonies up to in uh, 2019? Anything? Uh, in the that's something else I should tell you. So the name Goonies, right? They were the band of misfits. 
that created magic when they came together. And it was Keon, I believe, that said, guys, we're the Goonies. That's who we are. So that was kind of like the special moment of how, and I, I don't know, probably because I was one of the early adopters of Periscope and I had a much larger following or reach, I should say. I had a bigger reach. And then Butterfly Circus automatically like um, somehow validated me, I guess, that, that I became like me, Phil, and Keon, and everybody else in the Goonies, even though they're all so much more powerful than me sometimes, have allowed me to kind of be that. So that's why I laugh when you guys are like the queen of, I guess I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. Right. <laughs> I guess. But um, so we're all, oh my gosh, I mean, Keon, he's everywhere, right? I mean, right. he's everywhere. Um, Phil just left Cosmoprof team and now he's doing the hair skiing. Um, after Phil got sick with cancer, you guys all know like what that did with the industry and bringing a lot of people together. Um, he tells the story of, which is phenomenal. As a female, I really underestimate how much having hair for a man means to you, you know? So he says that after he lost all of his hair, that's what made him like look out for these hair replacements and all that stuff. And he wanted to like not make it, he wants to take the stigma away from it. So now he's doing that thing. I mean, guy, I don't even know. Like you guys ask me who, and I'll tell you what they're doing. Cause I don't know what anybody's doing. Well, we, we certainly, I think we're, uh, I think we're scheduled to actually talk to Keon um, in March. I'm, I'm super looking forward to that. Good luck with that. You guys think I talk a lot or the bloody butcher talks a lot? <laughs> <laughs> Y'all better take three shots of Adderall to keep him back. <laughs> he makes me tired. I well, love Keon. Keon. Keon and I met on, on Hef. And he was the unsung, like he was the first barber really to be brought on to Hef. And they had to get approval even because we weren't having barbers on there. Right. And I just remember, it's one of those magical moments when you see somebody in a picture and you're like, this is going to be somebody to me. They didn't know what it was. And um, I had uh, a Hanzo, um, I, I arranged a Hanzo class here. And at the time, like, didn't know really, but Keon and I were just connected. I didn't know what he was going through, but like in hindsight, he was going through some stuff. So he didn't even have very much. So I arranged for a flight. I wanted him to come up here. I was like, whatever. I arranged for a flight for him to be up here. Ash Fortis came to that class, be seen. First time I met Lynn and he comes in with a, a harem of girls. Cause that was his, the beginning of his branding, right? He, they all had the what we know was like the Lewis. I love hats now, but be seen all of his team. They were all Asian. All, every single one of them, even if they're mixed, they're Asian and they're hot and they're half dressed, you know, and these like bolo hats. And um, Johnny Wright came, who is Michelle Obama's hairdresser. Yeah. Um, uh, Stephen Lightfoot and uh, Hearst, Hearst Alexander were the educators. Wow. Um, and and that was like the beginning of like, and we stayed in the basement in the lab, like. The amount of talent that I've had in my in my lab, I had Rebecca Taylor here in the very beginnings of her even doing what she does. She stayed in my house for her tour. So it was like, this was like the Mecca of like people coming and like hanging out here. So that's where I met Keon. And like, he's such my best friend um, and just like a kindred spirit. And, and he's so much like a brother. It's ridiculous. So he's... he's All right, well, two, well, two things real quick, Ruby. One... You need to put some cots in the lab because I think during the BTC show, I think that uh, you're going to get a whole podcast in your basement there. We should. <gasps> that would be awesome. We could that'd do be, that. That'd be pretty rad because um, she's very close to BTC uh, to the uh, to yeah. the game world where the BTC is going to be. Um, we're not so close. Um, yeah. One and two. Okay, dude. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a little bit of hell right now. Your lives when you were doing the interviews 
on, on, on Instagram. I absolutely loved, and I miss them to death. What's going on? Why aren't you doing them anymore? Or are you just in a lull? So, I mean, however we could get there, you know, I started doing that again, that idea of like, everybody has a story. I was listening to your guys' podcast and I was listening to Gordon's podcast. And uh-huh. I was like, I, I listened, I think the one that like resonated the most with me was Jay, Jay Wesley Olson. Like in theory, I work with him. So I should know who he is. Right. But it, that's the weird phenomenon. And I'm sure you guys can, can attest to this. And even like, I was just listening to the end of Phillips, uh, Philip Wolf's and like how you kind of get desensitized. Like you can, you can put these people as being a certain way and then you meet them and you're like, eh, you know, okay, maybe not. But like Jay is still one of those people that I admire, like, even though I know, know him now. So, but I was like, I realized like everybody has a story to tell and I don't know so much about these people. And I don't ever have an opportunity because when we're on the road, we're working, we don't have time to actually sit and talk. And now it's weird because they're my friends. So now it's weird to ask those questions that I should technically know because we're friends. Right. So like that was, it was, it was a hundred percent (laughs) self-serving. And I was like, this is going to be my way to a get back in front of the camera because obviously we all know the algorithm is killing Instagram. And that was something that I could feel like, okay, I know when I talk to other hairdressers that I still deem as being amazing and they have huge Instagram followings, they will always come to me and be like, I can't believe how comfortable you are. And like, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know that part. I don't even know where that comes from. I don't know where it comes from to be able to be engaging and to enjoy it as much that hopefully reads across the screen. But anyway, so, so that's my comfort place. Taking a picture, feeling like it's actually good enough to present to people. That's not my comfort place. Being here, just me and you talking to somebody, that's my comfort place Mm -hmm. and trying to be funny and trying to be engaging and to ask those questions because before anything else, and I say this, I was a connoisseur of education. I was a connoisseur of this industry and a huge fan of this industry. So to listen to people, um, to listen to people and hear their stories and to know that that reignites the fire every time I'm feeling kind of like to put your guys' podcast on in the car on the way to the work. It really lights me up. I'm not even, I'm not even saying that because it's, I'm talking to you guys. It's, it's, it is. That's how I get recharged. Some other people, maybe it's a different way, but um, so that was why that I started doing that. And then I wanted it to be Wonder Woman Wednesday because I really wanted to interview women, but I also wanted to interview the not cool hairdresser. Like I wanted to interview the people that I know are cool. Why is she looking at us? She's looking right, right. at us. Like, I want to hear the not cool hairdressers. So right. next Wednesday, what are you guys doing? No, <laughs> Being not cool. <laughs> so Wonder Woman Wednesday. And so I, and then I, of course, my first one was with, was, was with MJ. And he tells this whole story about how he became a hairdresser. And it was a story that I don't know that he's ever told anybody out loud. And people still to this day are like, wow, that was so rad. Like, and so I wanted to ask the questions. I, and I made like this list of me and Alexis. If you guys ever hear me have a great idea, it's always my girl, Alexis, Alexis Hall, the wonders of Alexis. She's now a stylist. So I, I, she's an assistant too with me, but she's always, right. she's a stylist now. So I have to remember to call her that now. Well, I'll but, you were uh, saying Alexa. It, Yeah, everybody says that. We have an Alexa in the studio. So, Um, but Alexis, when we did the Framar, um, did that? Where are they now? When they were going to be launched, and where are where are they? The the uh, Cosmoprof launch, and she had the idea of like the missing persons, and I did a missing person um, logo on on the edge of a milk carton, and it's me like (laughs) looking at it, and that was all Alexis. So anyway, all the big ideas was Alexis. So she helped me come up with like a list of questions. So I want to ask them like, what's your favorite pop drink? 
You know, what's your, you know, these weird questions that nobody's asking, but that still makes a person a whole. And so like, that's kind of where I came from that. And then a couple of weeks into it, I found myself without a job of 10 years. So everything got turned upside down. And my very last Wonder Woman Wednesday was me, myself, explaining what had happened to me, explaining where my journey was going to go. And that was it. I just really haven't had the time to come back to it. Cause as a salon owner, you guys all know, you know, I probably leave the salon on average 10 to 11 PM every night. So I just haven't had the chance to do it. So do you plan on, do you plan on picking it back up? Well, now that you're making me, giving me shit for it, then I guess I got it. It was so good, Ruby. I just, I just really liked it. I mean, I, 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 again, I think if I had time, we, we would probably do something like that. Um, but uh, but I just I just I just dug it and and I love I love for people to know the people in our industry. And, and I hate that you can't record it because I struggled so hard with recording and I was able to put together some of Jay's, but most of it was his. Um, so I don't like maybe that's why I need to come back to you guys and be like, how do I do things to film it? Because I love having it live. But that was the other element for anything like this. I love having. And that's where I thrive. And I feel like that's where I, as an educator, you're not going to derail me. You're going to only give me more by giving me something from the audience where other people can kind of get shook by that. I'm like, no, no, bring it on. Like (laughs) I'm here. And so like for me, that feedback and that again with Periscope, I would watch these people that were really good in their cadence, but they were so good at engaging the people that were watching and being able to read the comments and respond and being like that rapid fire approach. So when I was doing those lives, it was important for me to have it be on Instagram because that's where the bulk of the followings are and knew that I was going to get the appropriate interaction and engagement that I was looking for. But it just makes it difficult for me to use that content later and then people don't get to see it. Well, I'll tell you, we, uh, when, we, when we saw you in Philly a few months ago, um, if, if you're listening to this and you get a chance to watch Ruby on stage, definitely go watch her because um, I was fortunate enough to sit through a class with her and, and, our, and our dear friend Sam Daly, who is just amazing to me. Um, but they did a class together. It's pretty cool. And, and actually, when we were in Philly, I might have stalked Alexis a little bit. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I definitely took some pictures of her and stuff. And I think I said... Where is Alexis or something? So that's pretty funny that that came um, all the way around. So, so Rube, so if, if somebody wants to get in touch with you or, or where are you found? Um, on social media, on Instagram, of course, right? At Ruby Divine. It's the Irish spelling, not the biblical spelling, of course. <laughs> so my true birth given last name is Divine and people never believe me on that. Um, but yeah, so you can find me at Ruby Divine if you just Google it, you find me somewhere. Um, we do have now a salon suite. Um, and that was something that maybe that's another podcast because, you know, that was something that happened. Like a lot of hairdressers, I was there for 10 years at the salon. You know, you think you give so much to somebody and the first sign of you wanting to go do something on your own. Nope. Get out. So like that was like an overnight having to be a salon owner and how much I'm excited about this new show season and being able to share those stories and have new things to kind of add to what we're going to talk about, um, on, on stage this season. So you guys are going to see a lot of that, um, being, um, a lot of my arsenal for what I'm, I'm going to be talking about. So I'm going to be at any of the big hair shows I'm planning. I'm probably BTC. Of course, I'm hoping that sure. we'll be a part of that. If we're not a part of it, I'll be there anyway. Cause it's right down the street. The Goonies are coming up in February. Uh, what else do I have? I have ABS Chicago. And then of course, Orlando premiere, cause everybody goes to Orlando premiere. But, I think yeah. we stayed the same hotel last year, didn't we? Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. That place was terrible. I think, I think during the P- BTC show, uh, podcast number two in the lab. Oh, 
we'll have to talk about that. That sounds yeah. like an idea right there. That would be cool. You know what, too? Maybe maybe that's the time to do a duo. Maybe we pick up Sam Daly or maybe we pick up somebody else from the pulp team and then and then let the F-bombs fly, apparently. Or, or do a, a Goonies roundtable. Oh. oh, now we're talking, team. Now we're talking. Yes, live from the lab, guys. That's right. I love like it. Have them coming in, just a rapid fire. That would be. <laughs> I see. I see Ruby's basement filled with just. Dude, <laughs> oh I, listen, living my best life to me, that would be. I am so grateful that I get to be a part of anything like this with you guys, but also that these people. Again, like this whole concept of you can sit with us, you know, like I am so grateful to be a part of anything that people might want to listen or might take mm-hmm. something away from and their life can be a little less hard because of listening to my stories. So, hey, whatever you guys want me to do. I love that room. Yeah. Well, Miss Rube. Well, uh, dang, I wasn't even that funny today. What the hell? Guys? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, we we're saving it so you can be funny, funnier than the rest of the group. <laughs> That's right. She's the funniest yeah. of the Goonies. Yeah. But you're our favorite house mom. That's right. Oh, you're our favorite house. Hey, you guys learned some things today. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we certainly learned some things. This today, is but. fun. This is not for the, uh, you know, so Framar, right? Because I, I love the Framar boys. And I'm, I'm that, another one of those relationships that I'm grateful to say that they're my friends. But so they sent out those brushes, right? And they personalize them for everybody. And I was, I mean, I assumed I was getting one. I was hoping really, really well that I was going to get one. And um, everybody's getting their brushes and they're like, their brand name. Or like Ash has one of all of her family members. And because every time we're at a hair show, I'm always like the go-to guy friend. Like I'm the ultimate wingman and I go with the, the frame our boys everywhere and we always go out dancing. We all have a crazy, crazy time. I get my brush and they were so excited. And it's literally a picture of a girl, hands on her knees, ass out in booty shorts. And it's like, <laughs> twerk, Ruby, twerk. And I'm like thinking about doing Nancy's five in retouch and brushing her with this <laughs> on the back of my frame our brush. That is awesome. Now I want one. We're going to get a twerking Ruby. (laughs) Thanks for that. Hashtag twerking Ruby. (laughs) There's a new trend. Oh, my God. Well, Ruby, um, we were supposed to do this live, a little weather uh, incident today, so we uh, we had to do it over Zoom. I know that Tony and I very much look forward to um, to seeing you at, at the, um, in the show circuit this year. Um, we're we're like this is our first like real year where we're actually going to be on the circuit and not just. Are you going to be at all the shows? We're going to be we're going to be at a few of them. We um you know we start to work out our schedule. We're definitely will be in Orlando. We're um we're debating right now whether to be a BarberCon in New York. Um, I've but never been to that. That sounds like fun. You should come up with us. Let's do it. So um we uh. Yeah, come hang out with us. Yeah, come hang out with us. Come be our th- come be I our mean, third voice on the podcast. Can I, yes, can I have a microphone? Yeah, sit at the table with us. Yeah, oh, you help us interview them. All those hot barbers. I mean, wait, what? No, I'm yeah, just- yeah, yeah, all those barbers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so again, Miss Ruth, thank you very, very much for uh for for hanging out with us today. Um, again, I wish we could have done it live, but we can't. So it is what it is. Um, again, thank you very much, and uh, thank you for joining us on your day off. Thank you, guys. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease.